25 to, through 34. It can be found on page 894 of the Bible's Next Year Seats, as well as on the screen. Okay. This is God's word. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, Let me open us with prayer, and we'll get started. Um, God, we are thank you for a space to gather together, um, to be with one another, to worship you, and to hear from your word. Would you just speak to us in the places that we need to hear you today? The spaces that um, we've been asking questions or wondering where you are, would your voice um, be loud and clear? Thank you for this time we have to to hear from you. Um, Would your words um, be clear? Would you guide us as we go for this morning? I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Um, I'm Victoria, and I see a lot of people who I haven't met yet, so I just want to introduce myself. I'm Victoria. I've been going to City Life for like two and a half years now, I think. Um, I have served in ministry outside of City Life with an organization called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And so I've been preaching and leading Bible studies and raising up leaders and all those kinds of things for many years now. Um, But I get to be the one here this morning uh, sharing the word with you. So I'm excited to do that. Um, But I also kind of do things a little differently because I'm me and that's me. I do it different. Um, But I wanted to start our time with just uh, you guys engaging with each other. And part of that is because what I've been learning about what we remember and what things kind of stick with us, it usually happens when we say things or sometimes when we write things down. So I just kind of want to engage in some different styles of learning this morning. Um, And so don't be afraid. I know if if you're new, um, introduce yourself to the person next to you. Um, It's really no pressure, but I just want to help us engage with the word. So, But before we enter into the scripture, I want you to grab a person or two near you and share what are some things that worry you 
or concern you in your kind of day-to-day life? What are things that worry or concern your day-to-day life? Take a couple minutes. Okay, I'm going to interrupt your conversations. I know that that wasn't enough time to address all your worries and concerns or share them. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I got a little loud there. My bad. Um, Sorry, I know that's not enough time to talk about everything, but um, for those of you who are a little less shy and more brave, you want to shout out some of those things that you talked about in your groups? I know some people in the back, like Sam and <laughs> Leah. You guys are, you're loud and not shy. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anybody concerned or worried about financial security? No? Just them? Yeah. <laughs> what else? Any other things? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. What others think of me? Yeah, definitely a worry. Yeah. Yeah, our health, health crises. Yeah. Children, definitely a worry and concern. Some of these, are you trying to encourage your son to say something? No. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's lots of things we kind of worry about, and um, some of them are pretty significant. And then we come to this passage where Jesus starts with, therefore, do not worry about your life. You're like, what? (laughs) What does that mean? Why should I worry? Um, and so I think um, I love this passage because it hits at like so many things that are core to what we're concerned about as human beings. Um, but the thing to know about where Jesus starts in this passage and why he says, therefore, do not worry, um, was really related to what happens before. So in Matthew 6, uh, verses 19 to 24... Jesus basically teaches to them, and he says, um, 
the gist is don't store up treasures on earth where moths and, um, and steel can rust, but store up treasures in heaven. And basically at the end of that, he says, you can't serve two masters. So you either serve God or serve money. And so for the hearers, Jesus, when he says do not worry, is he's addressing some of the things that come up as he says those things. Um, <clears throat> for them, there's fear in what it means to not pursue wealth or to not pursue financial security. To hear this was also shocking because at the time, it was believed that like, God was all about you if you were wealthy. Like, you had the blessing of God. You had the approval of God because you were wealthy. So this sort of just shook up like everything they kind of thought about what wealth meant. Um, and so it causes concern for them. It brings up sort of this, what does it mean if I don't pursue money or if I don't pursue these things because it'll make me financially vulnerable. So he's addressing some of the money issues there. Um, and I think Jesus really, what he's trying to do is just reorient them on their view of who God is. Um, and, and then I think the other concern he's dress, addressing is their basic needs, because he goes into talking about basic needs. So one, it's like, don't store up treasures, but then it's like, okay, but don't worry, because you do have basic needs and you need those cared for, but he's addressing that because our basic needs are kind of wrapped up in our financial security, right? We all feel that in our day-to-day -day lives. <clears throat> so Jesus says, do not worry. Um, but how do we kind of reconcile our desire for that financial security and Jesus saying, don't worry about these things? What, are, what, is, what does that look like? What does that mean? And I think it comes in sort of these two images of provision that he gives. And so... Um, you have Bibles on your, on your chairs. I want you to kind of go back to your pairs and look at those things. And what do you notice about God and about provision from these two images of the birds and the lilies of the field? So um, what's the page number? Uh, 894. 894. Yeah, sorry, I have it right here. <laughs> 894. So, um, or you can use your device, Matthew 16, um, verses 26. And a few. So read that. I'll read it out loud, and then um, you can have it with you. But it says, um, "Do not worry about what your life. Um, I don't know, body, mind, clothes. Okay. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes?" See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, or thrown away into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So <clears throat> share in your groups what you notice about God, about provision, and just sort of these images that he brings up for these people as he shares those things.
<clears throat> Again, I know that we could probably talk to each other about these things for a long time, um, but I'm curious uh, if there are some things that you noticed. Let's talk about the birds. When Jesus talks about the birds, what is he communicating about God? What do you notice about provision from that? Don't be shy. I see you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Um, it says that God feeds, feeds the birds. But that still brings up questions for us. But there's all these things that are not, people who are not being provided for, and people who go hungry, and their basic needs are not being met. So there's still some questions. <laughs> what else? that we notice about God or the image of the birds. They don't store food. Yeah, they don't store. They don't what? They don't farm. So the reaping and sowing is an image that the, the hearers would understand because it was an agrarian society, so that makes sense to them. Um, a little less of making sense to us because we're like, wait, what does that mean to us? But I do think there is something in there about they are doing something. There is work, but they aren't toiling. They don't, uh, what does it say for the birds? It says they don't, <clears throat> um, where'd it go? I have it written down here. So <laughs> they do not sow or reap, but they do not store. Oh, sorry, the toil is the flowers. My bad. But there's like a sense of there isn't, the, whatever they're doing, they're not, there's not like um, this obsessive of like finding food. When they eat, when they're hungry, they eat. <laughs> and they find something. God provides. What about the flowers of the field? What did you guys notice? Yeah? They, they don't labor or spin. 
What about their clothing? How are they clothed? Better than Solomon. So Solomon was a king, and it's believed that he um, came to some wealth and glory by not good means. But that's not necessarily being addressed here specifically. But what it is addressing is that even Solomon, in all his wealth and glory, as the king, wasn't dressed like these flowers, wasn't clothed like these flowers. So there's something about Jesus, what Jesus is communicating to the disciples, to the crowds who are hearing him preach, um, that God knows and sees and God provides. Um, And some of the things that we worry about, like who can add an hour to their life, we have no control of that. So why are we worrying about it? It's actually fruitless to worry about those things. I think I'm often challenged when Jesus says, you of little faith. Um, Because he's hitting at, well, yeah, I trust God for these things. But when some other things I just, I I can do, I can control, I can get for myself. But he's hitting at that deeper level of trust. Do you really trust that I see your need and that I can meet it and I will meet it? I think in these provision images, Um, It also communicates how much more valuable we are than these birds or these flowers. It says, are they not of greater value than you? And so it's presumed that if we are of greater value than these flowers and these birds, God will provide. So it's easy, right? Right? We just trust God. He's going to provide. It's easy, right? Not exactly. Um, And I I think it goes back to Jesus hitting at that deeper sense of where does your trust lie? Where does your faith lie? Does it lie on Jesus, on God, the provider who holds all the resources, or on something else? Or in other things. He's addressing this preoccupation with providing for ourselves. And yet there's this invitation for us to pursue and seek the kingdom. To seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be added. And what, a, what does that mean? Um, as I've been thinking about it, you know, I work in full-time ministry. I raise a support budget for my salary like a missionary would. Or does, not would, does. And so I think for me it's easy to think about what does it look like for me to seek the kingdom of God, to pursue the call that God has given me to be in full-time ministry um, and to trust that he'll provide things. But I was thinking about it and I was like, how outside of that, when I talk to my friends and people who um, aren't in full-time, not everybody's called to full-time vocational ministry. Um, So what does that look like? What does that mean to seek the kingdom? And I think it kind of connects with a lot of of things. But I was thinking of a few stories that um, some, some with some alumni who've graduated from college, I were college students, I didn't mention that, um, and share things afterwards about what does it look like to pursue the kingdom in their job spaces. 
Um, and some of it has come from just like people thinking about what does this mean for me in my neighborhood and in other spaces. Um, and so, and even for students. So the first one I'll tell about a student because I think it's easy and tangible for me. I had this one student who was a leader, but he was also on the rugby team. He was a leader in ministry with InterVarsity, but also on the rugby team. And one of the, we get to talking about his rugby team, and I'm like, oh, how many people on your rugby team know that you're a Christian, that you lead a Bible study? He's like, oh, no one. And I was like, oh, why is that? What do you, what do you tell them about your Tuesday nights when they ask you to hang out and you say you can't? He's like, oh, I just say I'm busy. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what it would be like if you tell your rugby teams you lead a Bible study. Maybe you should try that and like, take some risks. <laughs> you know, What is the invitation that God has given you to share your faith with your rugby mates, rugby teammates? Um, it was a simple, small thing. First thing, just identifying that you lead a Bible study on Tuesday nights. That was like the first step. Um, and then <clears throat> I transitioned campuses, and I find out later that um, well, he never like, took those risks, which is fine, until I left the campus, and then he started telling his uh, rugby mates about inter InterVarsity and the Bible study led all the time. So I was like, okay, why couldn't you do that when I was there? <laughs> Whatever. Um, sometimes it took a while. But it's, it was a risky thing for him because it's, what are, what are they going to think? Just like Jake identified. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? Is this going to hurt my participation or role on this team? Um, for some people... Um, so I have friends who are teachers, and as a teacher, you can't publicly profess your faith. You can't, like, um, tell students about Jesus directly. It could cost you a job. It's kind of messy. Um, but so they're trying to figure out, how do I open spaces for students to engage faith where I don't have to be directly speaking it, but I'm seeking the kingdom by giving them a space to do that. So um, my, bro my brother, my nephew... <laughs> He uh, leads a Bible study at his high school, and um, he has a teacher who gives them their room for this Bible study weekly. Um, and it's sort of one of those things where, you know, as a teacher, you kind of want your time. Like, you want to go to the teacher's lounge and be away from kids, and like, I don't want to, you know. But they sit in the room so that the kids can be in the room, because they can't be left alone in the room, so that the kids can be in the room and have their Bible study, creating spaces for for, for people to seek the kingdom. Um, I've had a friend who had a neighbor, they really sensed that God was like inviting them to start, start a scripture, um, we call them uh, uh, groups investigating God. It's like a Bible study with people who aren't Christians who are trying to figure out who is this Jesus and what do I want, you know, do I want to follow him? Do I want to know about Jesus? Um, it's something we do with our students all the time on campus. Um, this guy's an alum. He's actually was in his 40s when he did this. So, you know, it wasn't as a student, wasn't right out of college. It's like he's in his 40s. And he really sensed that God was inviting him to invite their neighbors to have one of these gigs. Um, and they did it for a good year before the people moved out of the neighborhood. But it was a risk. It was scary. It was like, what are they going to think? Will this affect, like, my reputation on the block? Like, what is that going to do in the Homeowners Association? There were all these questions that kind of came up for them. Um, but the invitation was seek the kingdom. God was inviting them to invite these people. Um, There's small things. Not everybody is called to vocational ministry, but we're all invited to seek the kingdom. 
And it's, it's a matter of us having the eyes to see where God is inviting us in our spaces. And we get preoccupied with, with the amount of work we have to do at our jobs because we want to do a good job. We want to do well. Um, we get, sometimes we just get like, we're just tired. We don't want to engage. Sometimes we're worried about what could this mean for my financial security if I engage someone with faith and that wasn't seen very well by the higher-ups or whatever. There's all these ways that we can um, excuse ourselves from seeking the kingdom. Uh, but there's an invitation to not worry, to seek the kingdom first, that the things will be provided, um, that God will take care of you. So I'm not saying, like, let's just ignore them. Let's just ignore our worries and not worry about our kids or rent or mortgage or whatever but to have eyes to see where God is inviting us um, to seek the kingdom and to not worry. Um, and I think one of the things for me, uh, as I've seen God do this in like really small ways, like really, really small ways, and then really, really big ways um, in ministry. So uh, I've had to live in community a lot, um, part because full-time ministry isn't like a lucrative position. <laughs> if you could imagine. <laughs> Plus, I raise my support, so it's always dependent on what comes in, and so it adjusts and shifts there. Um, but I have, I have seen God use community um, in, like, housemates who will cover the food bill, or who, like, I could pay rent, but, hey, could you cover my utilities? Um, so I think there's also an invitation as a community what does it mean for us to seek the kingdom? What does it mean to like provide for folks um, so that worry and concern doesn't drive us away from seeing where God is inviting us to seek his kingdom? To be the values and love of Jesus that we see in scripture to the people around us. Um, and it's kind of funny because I, I'm in full-time ministry and... Um, I don't, uh, there's times where I'm like, oh, I should just get another job that doesn't, isn't dependent on what I raise, isn't dependent on all these different factors. Um, and that happened for me two weeks ago, <laughs> right before I was going to preach this message. Um, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, so a tree fell on my car two weeks ago. Um, and it was just like ridiculous because it's a summer day. It's not even that windy. <laughs> So we know the winter, like, storms, trees, like, bent almost all the way over. Um, it was a summer day. The wind was only, like, 18 miles an hour. wasn't that bad. Uh, except for that the tree that I parked in front of, the roots were rotted. And 18 miles an hour, the tree just decided, I'm done. <laughs> Fell right in my car. <laughs> and so in my mind, I'm thinking, ugh. Like, I'm tired of just, like, worrying about this. I wish I, like, the thoughts were like, I should just get a different job, a job where the paycheck is set and not dependent on how much I raise, um, get a job where um, an extra car payment wouldn't feel extra tight uh, for a new car or whatever. Um, and it was heightened because I also, six months ago, changed my car insurance to liability only instead of comprehensive. Yeah, because it's a 2005, it's 14 years old, it's like getting older. I, I was using it a little less, 
And I was like, uh, it's probably going to be okay. And then here we are. So no payout from the insurance. So not even like a small buffer to like, you know, put a down payment on a car. Um, and so I just started to feel this whole thing of like, I am done just being in this job where every year it's kind of a, a roller coaster and I save here, but then something happens and then, you know, it gets depleted and then I save some more and it gets depleted. Um, and then as the um, car was being towed out of the apartment complex, <laughs> um, my niece was waving. She's one. Um, she's really cute. I'll show you pictures after. God reminded me how I got that car. Um, uh, so I've... Previous to that car, I owned like 10 or 11 cars, and they were all like old, you know, uh, junkers is what I call them. Um, you know, no AC, no power locks, all that stuff. Um, and I got it, I got this car, it was a Honda Civic, four years old, because a friend of mine was like, I'm going overseas, I don't need the car anymore, you can just have it. It was the newest car I've ever owned. It had a working radio, working windows. It had AC, which is important here in Sacramento. Um, and God just reminded me, like, yeah, you had to wait for it for a while. Because so I had, like, ten cars before it. But I'll provide. And so God was reminding me, like, I have to trust. And even in all of that, my sister is a teacher, and she doesn't work over the summer. So I had her car to drive, because she never drives her car over the summer. Um, and then a little bit after, I mean, they're older cars. It's a 99 Honda CRV, but it's, it works. <laughs> it gets from point A to point B. And so I'm just, I was just reminded, even though sometimes it feels tiresome, even though sometimes it's hard, that I do have to trust God. There is a deeper invitation of trusting God that God had for me in this. And so when I came to this passage, I was first annoyed <laughs> Right? Like, thanks, God. Um, um, but then reminded, like, he does provide. He does provide. It may not be, like, everything I want if I could put, you know, the money down. But it is, it is a good gift and a beautiful gift that God gives. <clears throat> and it still enables me to uh, do the things that I need to do. Um, so I, like, care for my niece that's part of my, like, seeking the kingdom right now. <laughs> um, I mean, I still work, too, but I also help care for my niece, and um, I can still drive her around. I can still pick her up when my sister has to work or when my um, brother-in-law had surgery this week, all this stuff. So um, I am trusting. And I have friends, you know, like, my faith needs to be increased. Oh, you have little faith. I have friends who are like, Victoria, we're praying that God gives you a new car, and we're going to ask for all these things. And I'm like, okay, God, increase my faith. I'm okay with a junker for now, you know, like, right? Like, but I'm praying and trying and hoping and trusting that God will provide something newer and better than what I had. Um, and it doesn't always, you know, work out like um, the movies. I may have to wait a few years. But I do trust that God will provide um, something newer than what I had. And I think there's an invitation for us, like, where are the places we struggle to have that deeper trust that God will provide? And how do we take steps um, to seek the kingdom, to not toil or spin so that we can get the things, but to seek the kingdom, to still work, to still do the things that, you know, we're doing, that help provide for our lives, but trust 
that God will give us what we need when we need it. Um, And so I love this passage because it's challenging and it kind of sucks, but it also is a reminder that God God holds all the resources. God is good and he holds all of us in such high value that he will provide. That's all. I'm going to pray. God, we need you um, to be, to just be reminding us, to just be reminding us of the ways you've already provided security in our lives. For the places where we feel like insecure or close to insecure, whether it's financial or health, whether it's with our kids or with work, would you help us to see and be reminded of your authority in our lives, of your authority over this world? Would you help us to trust and to take steps in that trust um, for you to provide? But also, God, I also pray that we would still take the invitations that you have for us to seek the kingdom around us, whether that's with someone at school, someone at work, a neighbor down the street, even our boss at work. You might be inviting us to share something, to pray for them, to invite them to church, whatever. Would we take those steps? Would we take those risks? Would we seek your kingdom? Knowing and trusting <clears throat> that our reputation, um, that our uh, jobs, that our whatever, are secure in you. Because you provide. Because you take care of us. And all the resources are in your hand. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.